Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that loves supporting people who support people in having abortions. Today we have Zoe, Ozzy, Laura, and Kellen. And today we have a special guest joining us from Exhale Pro Voice, which is a premier organization supporting the emotional health and well-being of people after their abortions and their loved ones. It was founded in 2000 by and for people who have had abortions. They provide and train others in providing non-judgmental, I can read, after abortion support. Um, I was lucky enough to attend an amazing workshop a few months ago with Rachel from Exhale, who is with us today. Welcome. Thank you. So fun to be here. Yay. It's so fun having you. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself? And we also like people to share their astrological information if you're into that. Yes, yes. Um, So my name is Rachel Dyer. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am sorry, but my sun sign is a Virgo. I know the most about that because usually people have to like stop me. <laughs> like as soon as I share that, they're like, "Oh, I." I love you. Virgos. <laughs> Thank you. We've had I several very me. good Virgos on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. Colleen, etc. Um, so there, there are extremely incredible Virgos out there. I like to think so. Thank yeah. you. Some of us yes. might discriminate against them in our dating profiles, but I will not point any fingers, listen. Um, you might be able to guess who <laughs> here's that is. the thing though the good virgos filter themselves in by being like yes i understand and the mm-hmm. bad virgos filter themselves out by being like well well why and i'm like well that's why yes <laughs> <laughs> if it helps at all when people see my big three they run usually too so it's fine oh no i want i want to follow up and ask about that but i uh Moon, yes, go on. Moon and Capricorn rising, Libra. Wow. Uh, wow. Ozzy wow. also that's, has a Capricorn yeah. moon. And a Libra rising. Really? Mm-hmm. So oh my God, I forgot like, that. Yeah. Wow. Like, uh, cancer. Cancer. Cancers and Scorpios are my, like, those are my people. Just water mm. signs. Amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I don't. I don't know if I know a lot of Virgos, but I do have a lot of Scorpios and Geminis in my life, which I mm. feel like are two signs that also get hate for different reasons. Yes. So yeah, oppressed uh, astrological sign solidarity. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share anything about yourself besides I was your gonna signs? Say, yes, I can say more about me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm based in Wisconsin. I've been here my whole life. Um, my day job is as a PhD student in counseling psychology. I um, am an older sister and a partner, and um, I do abortion stuff. I Hell love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Oh, being a sibling is so fun. It is so fun. Yeah. So Virgo, Virgo with oldest oldest daughter energy. Is, oh wow. We're a lot over here. <laughs> yes mm-hmm. that's so funny i'm the younger sibling of a virgo and that's <laughs> part of my discriminatory practices oh my God. i think about my like my poor <laughs> little, little brother cancer all the time oh. Like, oh, oh, boy. Yeah. an angel well you're an angel too obviously oh thank you 
yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'll share more about myself as we go those little intros are always like i'm like i don't know i like uh we we often joke like if we're ever guests on someone else's podcast and they have us introduce ourselves I'm like excuse me who gave you the right like uh, I also try not to default into like job interview response I'm like thank you for your question like yeah 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 Yeah. no it's perfect um yeah we'll definitely get more into things about you um but I thought to start off could you explain kind of what the pro voice like framework of exhale um, entails. Yeah, absolutely. So I, as you said, exhale pro voice is an organization that offers non-judgmental and pro abortion emotional support to people after their abortions and their loved ones. So we get a lot of like outreach from partners and parents and friends too, which is always like even more beautiful and sweet. I, I really love getting those messages from folks. And so Taking a pro-voice approach means that we center the the individual and unique experience of each person who's reaching out to us. Because most of the time, when abortions are talked about, they're talked about in this very like politicized context and way. And it doesn't always reflect people's experiences, even if they hold a particular like political or moral reference point, right? And so by taking a, a, a pro-voice approach, we are being empathetic and we are centering and caring for whoever that person is that's reaching out to us, whatever their beliefs and context are at the time. So being pro-voice is sort of like, like holding all the political stuff and holding a bit more of that too, like holding the individual as well. It kind of sounds like um, patient-centered or student-centered learning or um, anything like that, that kind of prioritizes the actual human that you may be interacting with rather than it being kind of like this um, robotic framework that I feel like so much of anything in the medical industry can really feel like. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, I guess maybe sort of on that note of like incorporating individual experiences into the work. um, I noticed in your bio on the Exhale website, you talk a little bit about your own personal experience with abortion. um, And I guess I just wanted to ask a little bit about this expectation that I sometimes encounter in a lot of like medical and like also domestic violence type work um, that like abortion advocates need to share their own experience in order to like make people care about the issue who might not otherwise. Um, So I guess I'm curious like if that is something you've struggled with and then also if you could talk about like why it has been important to you to make that choice to share your experience. Honestly, I literally, I think about this constantly, like at least several times a day, every day. I. I actually recently decided to stop sharing specifics about my abortion story. Um, I'm not sure, like, like, so, like, my exhale bio, I don't know if I'm going to take down places where it, like, already sort of exists and lives, but um, after the SCOTUS draft leak, which I know we're going to get to, um, there was just, like, such a rise in, like, conversations about when abortions are okay okay i'm using air quotes like when abortions are okay quote unquote and when abortions are not okay and i as like a like a white cis woman i was like i don't i don't know do do people need my do people need this like do i need to give people another story that they can react to as like oh this person is like acceptable because they had an abortion when they were so much younger like oh it's okay that this person had an abortion because 
I don't know, she's white and this would have been so detrimental to her future because I can empathize more with this like privileged person. Like I just, I don't know. There were a lot of like icky things that I was seeing that I didn't want to contribute to anymore. So I've decided that I'm going to say that I've had an abortion and not say anymore. And if people feel like they need more information in order to like resonate with or connect with me or decide if I'm acceptable or not, like that's the problem. That's on them to like, you know, do do some work there. So I mean, yes, I think sort of two things. One is that storytelling has been such a huge part of like abortion related activism for Mm -hmm. so long. And it's so, it can be so empowering. And I don't want to tell people to like, to not tell, like, I'm not telling people to not tell their stories. I'm not telling people to tell their stories. Like there's just, I think people should feel empowered and, and, and safe and supported in doing what they want. And I can say more about some of my feelings on that. Um, But I also think that oftentimes people are telling their stories or they're invited to tell their stories in a way that's like for something else. And it's not necessarily for them and they are not like protected and cared for and compensated in telling their stories. So I think like there's a lot of pros and cons, but my personal bias is like, I I have a lot of bugaboos with abortion storytelling at this point. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, And I, I wanted to build off of Ozzy's question and ask about this from your perspective as somebody that's giving care to people who have experience with abortion. So I'm wondering, I mean, you know, you talked about deciding not to share your story. Obviously, another reason people might decide not to is that there is backlash or there can be backlash to sharing stories about abortions. So I was wondering, you know, do you deal with people who are like experiencing that kind of backlash? And what what would be your advice for somebody who does come forward with a story and gets that kind of negative reaction? Yeah, I think so. A lot of people read. So um, for for your listeners, Exhale Pro Voice hosts a text line. So people reach out to us like in in written form. And it could be anywhere from like uh, in the midst of their medication abortion at home. It could be like that the afternoon after they have an abortion in a clinic. It could be decades later. So we hear from a lot of different people at different points and and they're like meaning making around their abortion experiences. And so I think but I think mostly we hear from people whose abortion experiences are like more closer in time to when they're reaching out to us. So usually people haven't come to a place where they're sharing their abortion stories yet, or if ever, um, we do host like a, an abortion story blog on the exhale website. And so sometimes we'll say like, Hey, you can go and check out people's stories there. You can post your story there anonymously or not if you want to. So in terms of what we get at exhale, it, it feels like people are usually at a different place in their process. I never got any like really intense or like crossing into scary reactions when I told my story, but I was I was um, being very selective about the places that I was telling it. I think that if someone you know gets some sort of negative reaction and that that like can vary really tremendously, right? Like it could be like someone that you love in your life tells you that. Um, you are an evil and horrible person and that what you did was murder and that obviously doesn't feel good, but it could also, it could like span to like doxing, right? If you like share something on social media. So I think, I mean, depending on like the intensity, uh, I don't know, you can reach out to us and we are happy to problem solve with you. We, there are also some organizations that, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure to what extent this is like their focus, but there's an organization called If when, how, and they do like reproductive related legal work. So if it was like 
at rising to the level of like stalking or something like that or something where like you're feeling unsafe and need to protect yourself physically that could be an organization to reach out to but yeah it really depends on like what the negative reaction is because it's it's so varied and people need different things so yeah well it's great to know that people can text y'all if they're in mm-hmm. that kind of situation and get help and get resources and stuff yeah. like that mm-hmm. yes absolutely i just love learning about all the text line things like it's like the mm-hmm. trevor project but instead mm-hmm. of queer youth it's like if you had any abortion mm-hmm. love it so like sometimes i think about 2022 and i'm like yeah just no <laughs> like <laughs> no that's fair um yeah um but then there are really nice things like t- like tech kind of related support like that yeah mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of how fucked up the world is in 2022. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you mentioned, you know, we got to get into the fact that we have the Supreme Court's leaked decision um, to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, and also literally everything else that's a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be that ICE can enter your home with literally no documentation or et cetera. Like literally, I think pick we poison. should do after the Supreme Court session kind of comes to an end in July, we should do an episode just like summing up the major takeaways from the rulings this yeah this past summer or yeah. this summer we can do a whole yeah, new frick the supreme court episode. as as you said laura dumpster fire <laughs> big time so with all of that like the people i know who are closest to abortion care are very much holding down the framework of like do not despair like this is mm-hmm. different than previous times when um, abortion was outlawed in the United States. So what do you think is important for people to know about abortion care going forward? And what information should people know about access and what still might be accessible for them even or especially if they live in a state that has limited abortion access? Yes, very great and very important question. So I think exactly what you said, the main thing is that when Roe v. Wade falls, it is not going to look the same as it did before Roe v. Wade existed. So people who do this work every day are not expecting people to, like, die at the same rates as they did from, you know, un- unsafe, and I say that again with, like, air quotes, um, unsafe abortions. Uh, that's unlikely to happen. Um, abortions are very safe. Technology has advanced. And so even if someone is like self-managing their own care, they're they're likely to be like physically just fine. And that's particularly so because of the like development of medication abortions, which have been a huge topic of conversation, especially since uh, SB8 went into effect in Texas. Um, so instead, what we are likely to see is people being disproportionately criminalized for self-managing their abortions using pills. So some states are prohibiting abortion pills from being sent like in the mail, for example. So mm. I live in a state where you can't, you can't, I, I, I believe that this is still correct. I'm now mixing something up with maybe FDA changes. I think in Wisconsin, you can't ship um abortion abortion pills in the mail and so for example if so if i was to order pills in the mail to be sent here i could in theory get into like legal trouble because of that 
I though, again, with cis white woman in grad school, I'm likely not, that's likely not going to happen to me. So instead we are expecting further criminalization of, of black and brown people now with this like particular flavor added to it. People being criminalized because they're ordering pills to self-manage their abortions because they live in states where that's no longer going to be legal. So in terms of like the resources for people to know about, like folks should know about resources like Plan C Pills, which talks about where you can get medication abortions depending on where you are. I know Rewire News, which is like a repro news site weekly. They have been updating like different state laws and different state efforts, like positive and negative that are going to impact people's access to abortion. So sort of monitoring like locally what is available to you and knowing like if you access abortions in a way that is not like state sanctioned where you are living, that that can be maybe more or less safe for you, depending on who you are and your identities. And so like thinking about that and like knowing that you might have a role in like supporting other people in accessing abortions or not. And all of that is okay. Like, you know, depending on who you are and how you need to take care of yourself and your family. So I think it's a little bit more complicated than like, I'm hearing a lot of like, everyone just order pills in the mail. And I'm like, well, like, let's like pause for a second. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I would specifically like to say to people as someone who has used the USPS to ship things that I should not and in their eyes, um, that if you ship things first class, um, they are protected under the Fourth Amendment, so um, they would need a search warrant to open any piece of mail that is shipped first class. So it may be slightly more expensive, but the process for needing to obtain a search warrant for something like that is a pretty um, complicated process on their end, too. So I just like to let people know about that. because That's a great fact. Yeah. That is a great fact. Thank you so much. As someone with an Arab last name who has had my packages arrive ripped open many times in my life. Yeah, no. And, and you know, that's also not to say that the USPS will play by every rule, right? Um, but, but technically, there's like a legal precedent for that. Um, and of course, it will be interesting to see how those kind of laws intersect with one another. One other thing that I have been thinking about sort of along with this question is the sudden like sense of urgency that people develop to like reinvent the wheel, basically. So it's important in in the spirit of like, do not despair. There is a lot of people who've been doing this work and thinking about this work for a long time. And so before you like create your own like anti-network, like find other, find other folks in the area who have been doing this for a while, find either organizations or like mutual aid groups and stuff because this is like essentially this is mutual aid so just like find existing Mm -hmm. networks of folks who have systems and places systems in place already and like you know manage manage what you are capable of doing like this is this is a long haul thing this is not a like jump in and burn out and things like that so like set up reoccurring donations for example rather than donating all at once like manage your time take care of yourself that is all important as a part of this too that's amazing thank you yeah those are really good points also i was just thinking that um caroline riley who we had on the podcast like two or three years ago at this point now works at rewire news so 
friends of the pod all over the place. Um, we anyway. love to see it. <laughs> For longtime listeners of the pod, you might remember her. <laughs> anyway, um, a few weeks ago, we did an episode focusing on trans reproductive health care specifically. And um, I know that's something that you talk about as well, Rachel. And so I wanted to ask about your experience providing support for queer and trans folks. And since you also train people in providing support, is there um, a way that you provide additional training and working with queer and trans clients? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it would this, would you like me to talk about this with like exhale specifically or just generally? Um, it doesn't have to be both. Okay. Or yeah, whatever both. you want. Right. I mean, so with, with exhale um it's it's been interesting because we we run a text line so really we don't know anything about anybody other than what they say to us it's entirely anonymized we don't know anything about you except where you bought your cell phone which is kind of weird um that's one piece of information that shows up so um the approach that we take in training our text line counselors is like we don't know who is texting us and we know that Uh, there's a lot of people who aren't women who have abortions. So like, make sure you use, like, think about the language and think about how you are like conceptualizing and understanding this person in your mind until they give you specific language that offers clarity around their identities. So that's something that we, that's sort of how we frame it is kind of like, like a, I don't know, a a more like, like flexible approach, I guess, rather than like, here's what a person might say. And then here's how you might respond. Like we're, you know, helping people to, I don't know, understand the reality that it's not only cis women who are having abortions. So that's how we tend to approach it with exhale. And that's how we tend to also train like medical and mental health providers that we're working with as well. In other, in other parts of my life, it's more like, I don't know, the like training and work that I've done is going to be more in like therapy so I can talk about that if that feels interesting but yeah no we're a very pro-therapy podcast (laughs) yay okay great (laughs) Um, I mean so I think yeah so in terms of like the other part of my life like as a as a therapist and almost psychologist I mean like our training and uh I don't know working with people who aren't uh, white people with means uh, is pretty limited unless students like say like hey can we talk about this or hey here's what I know like I feel like the things that I have learned the most around working with like queer and trans clients in therapy I've learned from like other queer and trans people and I can like pull from my own experience as a bi person but yeah that that has it's been uh, you know a little disappointing but not surprising I guess is how I might frame that but luckily, um, I've had a lot of like direct supervisors when I've been doing therapy work with queer and trans people who've been like, hey, like, here's how we can like learn more. Here's some resources. Here's how we can support folks. But it, it certainly hasn't been like super built into my education. It's been like something that I've learned through my personal relationships and then brought into my professional spaces. That yeah, makes a lot that, of sense. That totally makes sense. I freaking love my therapist and I feel like she is good at it, but it's only because she's a Pisces and can like just like do all of that. And <laughs> when I tell her that I tell other queer people about her when they're looking for a therapist. She's always like so stoked because her stuff is all self-taught too. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like in, in the program that she went to, they like had stuff on that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a, uh, we have a listener base that is like predominantly queer and or trans. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm sure it's like really helpful 
that you're doing that work. Mm-hmm. And my my advisor for PhD school is Stephanie Budge, and she does a lot of all of her work is like like trans well being. Um, and right now they're running a clinical trial that's like is therapy like effect actually effective and useful for like BIPOC trans people? Question mark. So like I it's like around me quite a bit, but it's not built into like the curriculum. It's something that I like mm. have sought out because why wouldn't I if I yeah. want to be an effective mental health provider? Oh, brilliant. Well, on this note of sort of how people's identities and different axes of oppression can impact abortion experiences. Um, I wanted to ask about this piece that you wrote on Medium that was called Why Support for Abortion Belongs in Your Anti-Racist Practice. Um, It was a really great piece. And I guess I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your argument in that piece for those who haven't read it and like what are the most important intersections you see between abortion access work and anti-racist work? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think about like how to start answering this question. I So I had been thinking about, okay, something that I often struggle with is like what I, what I focus on and do primarily is abortion related work. And I feel like because I'm focusing on an experience that is had in different ways by different people, I can't, I can't not think about like different forms of oppression and how it is like acting upon this particular experience or like leading to or hindering people's access or like there's just there I feel like there's a lot that I need to think about there in order to do this work well and I think when people I feel this is like complicated to talk about when people focus on like anti-racism as their work I feel like they often ignore other experiences that are like Uh, like related to racism because everything is related to racism but they don't like i i don't often hear people who do anti-racist work talking about abortions but i do hear people who do abortion work talking about anti-racism so this this piece sort of came out of this like okay we're talking about this thing i do abortion related work i think that i have something to say that's like relevant here is that okay or am i like pulling airtime from this thing and so that's sort of like where this this came up and it I say all of that because uh I don't know it feels important to have that background and to acknowledge that it's like kind of messy and weird and I know that people who engage in various activism work often feel like they have to either like do it all or that they're like I don't know it's wrong to focus on one thing so um but uh this piece um focuses on basically how anti-abortion activists have like co-opted uh I don't know language that basically says that abortions are like black genocide for example and there's all of Mm -hmm. this like very racist arguments and opposition to abortions however we have this history in our country where uh black people and other people of color and disabled people and poor people were limited in their ability to have and raise their own children and still are um or they were forced to have children when they didn't want to like during slavery so basically the crux of this piece talks about how like abortion access is an act of i don't know liberation and like an ability to like act on your own reproductive desires and how that's 
I don't know, impacted by different systems of oppression, including racism. And yeah, I feel like I'm not summarizing this very well, but no, it's super yeah. complicated. And I think yeah. you're doing a great job for sure. Um, and I think this um, is really similar, but this is more specific to exhale. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about Exhale's anti-oppression policy. Like, Mm -hmm. what is an anti-oppression policy and how does it show up in the organization? Yes, yeah. So an anti-oppression policy, and folks can look on our website to see this, um, basically takes stock of our our history and functioning as an organization, talks about, like, who we serve and who we would like to serve better, and then how we are going to do that. So it's sort of like where we were, where we are, where we're going. Exhale was founded by not entirely, but I believe almost all white women and I almost all cis people. So like was just like had a very privileged lens to it. And so we need to like acknowledge that that is the foundation on which we're standing and how a lot of our like services were developed. And so we can do better than that. We can shift and expand and grow in a way that's not like only rooted in that space. And so the anti-oppression policy is like, detailing how we are going to do that and so we review it i think twice a year and then sort of take stock of where we're at and what we're doing as an organization to make sure that we're like actually serving all people who've had abortions and not just you know cis white women who feel ashamed which is like a perfectly reasonable thing to feel and reach out to us about and you know we shouldn't just limit ourselves to that yeah i'm gonna shift a little bit to um, a question about your psychology work more so for listeners who don't know well i kind of mentioned that i attended a workshop with rachel but it was part of a conference um, on like feminist psychology and mental health and rachel was also on a panel brag um and about the future of the field and one thing you were talking about was kind of integrating more like knowledge around abortion into psychology and therapy practices. And I was wondering if you could talk more about just kind of your vision for what that would look like and what it would mean for therapists, specifically psychologists, um, in your experience to have more of an understanding of abortion. Yeah. So it's so interesting because psychologists have actually been useful in like developing like an understanding of what we know about mental health and abortions. The main takeaway is that abortions themselves do not directly cause mental health concerns, right? Like that is abortions do not cause mental health problems. However, we do not live decontextualized lives. Also, humans have feelings about almost everything. Like I have very strong feelings about the pretzels that I ate before this. I think that they're amazing and I feel very passionately about them. Um, Incredible. So of course we're gonna have feelings about our abortions like it's just it's like funny it's funny to me that like the two choices that have been set up for us are either like you will feel profound grief and regret or you will feel nothing or empowerment like it, it, it it's it's much messier than that so abortions do not directly cause mental health concerns however humans have lots of feelings and abortions are very stigmatized and sometimes the decision to have an abortion is made in a context that is very difficult. Like it could be a wanted pregnancy, but maybe like the person that you were going to parent with, uh, something happened and your relationship dissolved and that's not something that you want to do now. So you decide to have an abortion. Or if you decide that like financially you don't feel like 
adding another human to your family is something that you feel stable enough to do right now. And that looks very differently for different people, but maybe that means you have an abortion. And that is like, that is not an uncomplicated choice to make. And we were talking before about like the legal risks of ordering abortion pills in the mail. Like that is a stressor walking past protesters who are taking pictures of your license plate and your face is stressful. So like, it, like immediately abortions might impact your mental health, but not because they are harmful to you. It's right. because of all the BS surrounding. It's them. because of the hell aforementioned dumpster fire. The aforementioned yeah. hell we live in. Yes. 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 <laughs> Might've exactly. heard of it before. So I think because we don't, we don't talk in, in I'll speak to like psychology programs specifically we the the american psychological association requires us to take like a vocational psychology class because under the argument that everybody works and everybody has a job everyone has like work related life things and i'm like fucking everybody has like sexual and reproductive experiences whether it's something they're pursuing or avoiding or it happens to them and there's like aspects of trauma there but we just don't it is not discussed it is not taught it is seen as like a very niche thing that you need to like seek out additional training for so what i would like to see is like uh the bare minimum <laughs> like literally just talk about it uh in our graduate programs and in in additional training but for abortion specifically i would like to see therapists with the capacity to like hold that nuance in their minds like i had a therapist once tell me like oh like i know no one wants to have an abortion and i was like ma'am i like really wanted to have an abortion like i like i really did that was something that I really wanted relative to my other options. I really wanted that. <laughs> so the bar is on the floor, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a related question. Like, what is it like for you to be on the receiving end of the kinds of messages that you may get at Exhale? Because like you said, like, you know, abortion is healthcare. It can be tricky. It shouldn't maybe be as traumatic as it is, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, not to go joker mode. We live in a society, as you said. So like, how do you personally deal with all this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I've been doing this for so long or I've had a lot of like time and various forms of support to like marinate on and like integrate my own experience into my understanding of myself but I now find and I'm trained as a therapist so I think that gives me some skills but um I find most of the conversations to be very healing or like I understand where a person is because we live in a society so someone reaches (laughs) out and they're like um I'm pro-life, but I had an abortion and now I know I'm going to go to hell. I'm like, that is so scary. That is so painful and hard that like, that is where you are at. Like, and I can hold where you are and it's not going to be helpful for me to be like, no, you're not like, yeah. you're fine. Right. That's un- that's just unhelpful. And so I think, I don't know, it's taken a lot of work and like, again, I, it's like sort of mushed up with my training as a therapist, mm-hmm. but I'm like, just access the empathy, I guess, and understand that like, pain is pain even if I don't really understand where it's coming from Mm. that's really that's good I'm glad to hear that like you don't have to internalize it too much to be able to help people I mean I know like you said you're trained as a therapist but I just I'm sure that's like such a hard job especially when you're dealing with you know something as fraught as abortion unfortunately is yeah 
And I do think that some of our, our peer text line counselors who aren't trained as therapists for their day jobs, I think that that is harder for them. Mm-hmm. Because I think we know that like, there really aren't places like Exhale. Like Exhale yeah. is pretty unique. And so if someone you know, reaches out to us 10 minutes before our line is supposed to close for the night. There have been counselors that are like, this feels painful for me to tell the person to text back tomorrow because they probably don't have another person to talk to about this because of any number of things, shame, isolation, abortion stigma. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, I have a friend who's in a clinical psychology program and he likes to joke about finding like the ultimate therapist like if you follow a therapist to their therapist to their therapist eventually you wind up with like the boss like, therapist boss therapist <laughs> exactly <laughs> and like who is it that's dealing with all of all of like the accumulated therapy traumas um but yeah no I'm, I am really glad to hear that you're like able to deal with it in a healthy way and like help people but also like take care of yourself mm-hmm. yes yeah that's part of the like what I was saying before about like, there's always a sense of urgency around things. Mm. And it's so easy to fall into burnout, because that's also what we're socialized to do in our lovely, lovely capitalist society. And we don't have to do that. It's actually very radical for us to slow down and focus on our feelings and focus on other people's feelings. I mean, radical for a Virgo sun Capricorn moon to be (laughs) saying that though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, because it's worked for me. I'm like, wow, this is like, I can slow down. Yeah. (laughs) But I I feel like that's that's so true, especially for people who are in like care professions, you know, and like those are feminized professions. They're professions that are like often like crucial to the reproduction of like the rest of the labor system. Like I know that we like I I was teaching in the university. We got like really guilted about like how we weren't taking care of students when we went on strike. Like my mom is a doctor who works in a very specific and like under sort of underrepresented field and so she and she's you know getting to the point where it's time for her to retire basically and she is still she's got like some health problems she's still working 12 hour days because of like that kind of pressure and so you know it's just I always want to like check in on people who are in those kinds of professions and just like see like you know how is your mental health how are you handling this because like the pressure that you're talking about is so real but again I'm glad that you're doing doing okay as Laura said especially especially with your chart I'm doing my best I perfectionism (laughs) doesn't exist and sometimes I don't do this perfectly but I try <laughs> uh, well as, oh, yeah true. any Virgo's like how can I do it perfectly I know I'm like you you want me to rest great I'm gonna rest better than you've ever seen someone rest before <laughs> hell yeah absolutely so funny uh, well this is kind of a sillier lighter question but I guess maybe on the note of like ways that we decompress from more difficult work that we're doing um I've heard you're a fan of D&D and -hmm. some video games and I know a lot of our listeners are as well um so I just wanted to ask if there are any games you've played or even other media that you think has done a good job of like helping folks work through feelings around having an abortion or maybe helping someone who hasn't had to seek an abortion, like understand more what that experience was like. Um, Just because I feel like games are a really good, like empathy tool as well. 
you know, I was thinking about this question with like, like games, because I, I feel like a lot of the like abortion media is either like really bad TV episodes, <laughs> um, yeah. which, you know, I'll obviously not uplift, but like, there's a lot of like examples of this going really poorly. And right. then I can think of like, like books and stuff, but I, I don't know if I know of any games off the top of my head, but that's likely a reflection of like the types of games that I play. But there's a, there's a children's book called, so what is an abortion anyway? And I think that that's like, I don't know, a really nice, like little, little low stakes resource. Like it's like, it's made for kids. And so if folks want to like buy that for themselves and then like, I don't know, share it with like kids or people, people around kids in their life, I think that's a nice, a nice place to go. Um, I can send you all additional ones to put in show notes or things like that, but that's the the main one is like Hell that kid's yeah. book because yeah. it's, no, it's digestible. I feel like D&D or any other like collaborative type game is inherently good for anything stressful that you're going through in your life because you're like doing a collective thing that's like silly, but it's still this kind of socialization that is supportive in its own way. Um, So I feel like I feel like the recommendation in and of itself can be like play D&D. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Find yourself a crew. (laughs) And we know that like, so abortion stigma is so closely connected to like shame and isolation, that like doing a collaborative thing or like putting yourself close to other people and doing a shared activity with other people where like, maybe you don't have to talk about the thing, but you're at least with other people and you're like working together to do a thing. And I also want to just mention to people, um, because I think especially with something like D&D, If you haven't played before, you might not know where to start. You might not know, like, Mm -hmm. how to find a crew. There are a lot of online ways to do Mm D&D, and there are a lot of people who are already playing D&D online that you can join different crews and campaigns. Um, And especially if you're in a situation where you're feeling isolated, I think um, online friendships can be really useful in the, in those spaces. Yeah. I was gonna, to add to that and not to like toot our own horn. And also (laughs) I'm the person that should least be talking about this because I am the host that is by far the least active on our discord, but season of the bee does have a discord and it's just like a really supportive, wonderful place. And so people who are listening to this, if you happen to be in a situation, whether it's because you've had an abortion or anything else where you're like, I need support, I need community, like just going to put in a little plug for that as well yes it's the best community that's amazing and at one point people did put together a D thing right yeah absolutely and Didn't i would love to do it again but yes. it did happen. no we it totally did i think it's on pause right now yeah um, but yeah but the possibilities are out there yes at patreon.com slash season <laughs> literally <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. We love it. But anyway, back to you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say, I, I, I mean, in terms of video games, I uh, have like a not so insignificant obsession with Minecraft. Like, I just can't Hell play yeah. anything else. I'm like having a really hard time breaking away um, because it's so like it can be so mellow or it can be not mellow. You can play it by yourself. You can play it with other people. It can be very like collaborative and. I don't know, or like, I don't know, it, it's just, it's it's so flexible, and I play it with all the people that I love, and 
Yeah, that's that's my thing right now. But that also means that I'm ignoring now two Pokemon games on my Switch that I like at some point need to Hell play because I've, yeah. I've, I've spent money on them and I want to play them. I just really like Minecraft. <laughs> Who knew? Yes, understandable. Yes, we are pattern seeking animals. <laughs> Familiarity is nice. <laughs> um well we're getting towards the end but before we wrap up is there anything else that you want to share either about like your personal work or exhales work or anything like that um that's a good question I guess if anyone maybe two things one if anyone wants to be a psychologist and in particular if you are interested in research we need people who are also doing like research around these topics like and around abortion and mental health because that just doesn't exist and unfortunately like again we live in a society um people like data and numbers and things like that and oftentimes that is how that is one way that change can be pushed for so if you're interested in research that is also something that we didn't get to today too much because it's like not the most exciting thing in the world to talk about <laughs> like, do you have any exciting research you're working on that you want to tell us about Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I, so, us. yes, I am developing a scale to assess therapists' attitudes about their clients' pregnancy decisions because we know that if therapists Hell. have unaddressed Ooh. attitudes about like race or sexual orientation or whatever, that they will be shittier to their clients, which makes sense. And it, you know, we needed research to tell. I was just family. talking about this in class last week, mm-hmm. not about pregnancy specifically, just about like therapist bias basically yes yes and so yeah no one has looked at this for like pregnancy decisions so I was like I will make a scale and then we can see if like different trainings are effective by using the scale like if we give it to them before and they have really like poor attitudes and then we have this training maybe they'll improve and maybe that will help their like clinical work and care for people and things like that so that's one thing okay well Um, come back on and tell us what you learned I will. Yeah, it's, it's a, it'll be a very, it's, it is already a very interesting data set, but I, I can't share anything yet, unfortunately. Yeah. And then um, a friend and I are doing a study where we had a little vignette that's like, so-and-so is like 25 and found themselves to be unexpectedly pregnant and either chose to continue the pregnancy and become a parent or have an abortion. And then we also, we, so it was a vignette and it was paired with faces of uh, different women of different races. And so, and then we asked people like, how do you think she's feeling right now? And we're going to see if people's attitudes about people's pregnancy decisions are racialized because they probably are, but no one has ever looked at that before. Oh my God. Damn, that's amazing. That's so good. Yeah, so those are just a few things, so. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, so if people wanna do research, it's really, there's, but not a lot out there, so. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for doing the work on so many levels. Literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. So that's one thing. The other thing is if people yeah. want to volunteer with Exhale or donate to us, we are an entirely volunteer and donor-run organization. We don't have any, like, major grants or anything like that. Um, all of us on the board are volunteers. Uh, we stipend our text line coordinators and someone who does some like graphics work for us but otherwise it's entirely volunteer based and all of your donations go to like directly running the text line and our other programming so um it would be amazing if folks wanted to set up a recurring monthly donation so that we have that financial stability over time 
And if that's not possible for you, or if you feel like you've got like some skills and some time to give, or if you just want to learn, because we also, you know, want to teach you if you, if you want a skill, um, volunteer with us. We have like different volunteer applications on our website. We onboard two different peer text line counselor cohorts every year. The next one will be in the fall. So apply if you're interested. Amazing. Yeah. Can you also just let people know how, what is the number, what do you text to get to Exhale? Yes. So the number is 617-749-2948. And you can just text anything to us. <laughs> so people usually are like, hi, or is this Exhale? And yes, it is. And we will text you during our, our open hours, which are um, in Pacific time, weekdays from three to nine, Saturdays from one to nine and Sundays from three to seven. Very cool. And we'll link to your website in the description of this episode. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so informative. And I feel like even though we're in a dumpster fire, it's really cool that there's people out here doing the work. And of course, it's a Virgo Capricorn combo. (laughs) (laughs) See, okay, this is when those placements, I'm like, yes, I can support it. Yes. (laughs) You're using it for good. (laughs) We love it. We love to see our hard workers work for the cause. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate having you. It was so nice to talk to you. Well, that was incredible as per usual. Um, as for usual, if we do say so ourselves, <laughs> and we do just brilliant. <laughs> um, and once you're done um, signing up for your monthly donation to um, exhale, I almost just called it breathe. I was like, couldn't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> and I was like, something. And I was it's like, oh, exhale. Um, once you're done setting up your monthly donation there, you can join us and join our online uh, supportive community at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at season of the B. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Five stars only. Like we said, our content is flawless. <laughs> so um, no arguments here <laughs> um and that's that on that with uh three fire signs and a water sign hell yeah <laughs> love, love y'all love, love you. you bye bye, bye. 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 Bitch.